had this little word of encouragement I want to give you, um, if I can this morning, before, um, before I dive into this, because uh, during the holidays, we, we go to a lot of parties and get-togethers, and we have a lot of time with family and friends, and um, I want to tell you how important it is that when the Lord prompts you, especially in these next couple of weeks, when the Lord prompts you to just share something with family and friends, whether they're believers or they're, um, they're not, um, if the Lord prompts you to share something about the finished work of the cross, about Jesus, about how good God is, about his love for humanity, I want to encourage you to do it. I, I told a story in the first service, and, and I want to tell you this, um, this journey of grace. Um, my dad and mom have always believed in the message of grace and have preached it, but it, a new kind of chapter, if you will, in the story of grace opened up to me a couple of years ago, um, and it started just with some friends um, sitting around a fire out back of my house, and when they started talking about the message of grace and saying some of the things they were saying to me, which now I, I see over and over and over again as truth in the Word of God, I would look at them and I would shake my head and say, oh yeah, totally, that sounds, yeah, totally, and inside, I was sitting there looking at them going, what in the world are you talking about? Because some of it was so foreign to the way that I personally related to God and what I thought he thought about me. And it was just simply community and relationship and chatting and talking. Um, hundreds and hundreds of hours of just talking about Jesus and his goodness that slowly but surely made me begin to see the word of God differently. And then God took what happened in the natural, and began to open my eyes spiritually to it. And then when I started reading the Bible, I didn't have to read books. I didn't have to read what well, this person thought about this or that person thought about that. I didn't even have to listen to sermons by other people. I started reading the Word of God, and, and, the, and the Bible just went. Whoosh. And so the reason I'm telling you that is, is not to just tell you about my journey, but I want to tell it to you for you because you never know how just a conversation, maybe around a Christmas Eve dinner table, maybe out back for a fire, maybe sitting out by a pool, how these conversations can begin to impact people's lives and how it can begin to change things. For me, it totally began to change everything that I understood about God, and I'm feasting off of that. Now, what's interesting is... is um, some of these conversations I had were with some people that just simply in their, in their past had been persecuted for this message. And when it came to me, um, when it came to me, I, I didn't persecute them, but I had no idea what they were talking about. And I left my heart open. And what was really cool this, this past weekend as I was in, I was in New York City, and uh, I preached in Brooklyn and preached in Queens and spoke in Manhattan. I'm sitting there speaking and delivering this message, and people's eyes are being just open, their hearts just falling more. You know God's using you when people don't come up to you and say, that was a great message. But when they come up to you and they say, I just am so in love with Jesus, and I am seeing him like it's the very first time. Amen? Because every message should point back to him, right? And so I just had so, I don't have time to go through it all, but I had so many encounters with people. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, now, 
I can't 100% say my entire journey is that, but I'm sitting here thinking to myself, what I'm delivering in this city, the Big Apple, in three of the different boroughs across five services, some of this started around a fireplace, around a fire pit, just in community where somebody decided, hey, have you ever thought about it like this? Our words are powerful. And our conversation with friends and family could literally change the course of how they see and interpret and experience God. And this season, you have a captive audience. Now, I'm not saying jump on the table and start, uh, you know, get, start waving around a, a piece of, uh, um, what do they call that, the fruit bread, you know what I'm talking about, that nobody wants to get. Um, <laughs> what is this stuff called? Fruit cake. I'm not saying like, you know, because those things, they're like weapons because no one wants to eat them. And uh, I'm not saying do that, but if God gives you an opportunity, release what's in your heart because each of you carry the spirit of life inside of you. Each of you carry, I thought I was being attacked. Each of you carry, I was getting ready to show you the spirit of something else, all right? <laughs> spirit of jujitsu or something. Each of you carry the spirit of life inside of you, and you can release it. And those seeds planted, you will never know who they will reach or how their lives will be impacted. Do you hear me? You don't have to be Pastor Dan. You don't have to be Pastor Jim or Pastor Peggy. You don't have to be us. The spirit of grace and the living God is living on the inside of you. And you have an opportunity to release it. Amen? Amen. And people will feel your heart even when your words maybe aren't as eloquent or you don't have it all together or you don't have all the answers. People will feel the intention of your heart. Let's go to Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to stop here for a moment because um, this is the New American Standard Bible, but some of you might have versions like in the King James Version where it says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Anybody have that in their translation? Nobody? Yes. yes, you do. So you're verifying it's true. I'm not making this up. Good. If you have your Bible app out, go to the King James. I think the new King James also has it. There is an addendum to this scripture in some of the translations of the Bible where it says, who walk not after the flesh but after the spirits. And this sentence was not in the original text. It was later copied from verse 4 and added to verse 1. There was a qualifier that was put into verse 1 that was not in the original text. That's why in some versions of the Bible, now it has been removed. It has gone back to its original form. And the reason theologians believe that it was added is this, and I want to read this exactly so you understand. The person who added this most probably felt that the fact of Paul's declaration of mankind's innocence had to be made subject again to a person's conduct. There was a qualifier that was put in place. Come on, are you hearing me? A qualifier that was added. It was Jesus plus something. Religion under the law felt more comfortable with the condition of personal contribution rather than the conclusion of what faith reveals. People did not, could not settle on, they wrestled with the idea 
that there was no condemnation for those who had received or were in Christ. Period. There had to be something that was put on the end of it. And so for years, when this was preached, then we shifted people's minds to the idea of, well, in order to not have any condemnation in Christ, you need to learn to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. And so if you felt condemnation, it opened the door to condemnation because if you felt condemnation, we would say, well, you're probably walking in the flesh. That's why you feel condemnation. Instead of saying, there is no more condemnation. Does that make sense? Sorry to (laughs) bust that wide open. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. Now, I... I need to stop here for a moment because I think people think that I just get up here and repeat myself every week the same thing. Guys, I am moving chapter by chapter by chapters through the book of Romans and every chapter keeps saying the same thing. Are you seeing this or is it me? Eight chapters in and we can't get away from the contrast that Paul is making between the spirit of death or the spirit of the law and the spirit or the law that is contained in in the message of grace for the finished work, the law of righteousness. And so we keep coming back to these these two contrasts that Paul comes back to over and over and over and over again, chapter by chapter, verse by verse in the book of Romans. This is one of the reasons I wanted to tackle it, because the book of Romans, and I don't understand how, the book of Romans, at least the first four chapters especially, especially chapter one, is used to argue against the the message of the finished work. And if you read the book of Romans, you keep coming back to the same concept over and over and over again. We're going to see it here. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. I want you to see this, and we're going to... I'm going to add something here. I'm not add, but I'm going to clarify something here in the mirror translation when we look at this idea. The idea that he became flesh. He became sinful flesh. So we're going to look at this in a moment, okay? Verse 4. So that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who did not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. You see the contrast there. The flesh versus the spirit. Let's read this together in the Mirror Bible, and it'll open it up a little bit for us. I love this. Now, the decisive conclusion is this. In Christ, every bit of condemning evidence against us is canceled. I should just drop the mic and walk out. This is the message. The title of this message is Romans 8, Canceled. All right, we didn't cancel church. Romans 8, canceled. I hope with that title on Facebook, people are going to be like, oh, they canceled it. I don't have to watch it. (laughs) Romans 8, canceled. Every bit of condemning evidence against us has been canceled. Wow. Every bit of condemning evidence against us has been canceled. Now, I don't know if I'm in the right church, but has anyone ever had some condemning evidence against them? (laughs) Only Charles. Come on, raise your hand. Listen, y'all, let's just talk for a moment about, let's get real about Harvest for a moment. Now, I know we got the Recovery Church on Saturday night, and most of the folks that got themselves a long rap sheet go on Saturday nights, all right? I get it. 
But y'all, some of you are still sprinkled in here, and I'm not going to call you out. <laughs> I'm not going to call you out, but I know I'm in the right place for some folks that have had some condemning evidence against them, all right? Right? I'm not talking about the kind of evidence that's like, what do they call it, circumstantial? Is what it's called? I'm talking about the, like, you got caught on video red-handed kind of evidence, right? I'll never forget, we had uh, somebody break into our church over at Lime Avenue, and, and they, just, they just stole a bunch of stuff. Actually, they were stealing stuff for over the course of 13 months. They were somebody, it was an inside job. They would just take a piece here, take a piece there, take a piece here. And we'd be like, where did that symbol go? And then it was like, I don't know, it's only one. Someone misplaced it. And then something else would go, and the drummer's stuff was disappearing left and right. Other people's stuff was disappearing left and right. And they kept coming to me, and they said, I keep disappearing. Stuff keeps disappearing piece by piece. Weeks would go by, something else would disappear. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. But I wasn't too concerned because it wasn't my stuff. <laughs> Until that person stole my guitar. And he was on his way to jail 24 hours later. You do not steal my guitar. You can steal the drummer stuff. Do not steal my guitar. <laughs> All right? But it's funny because we, 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 we literally did the police work for the police. We, we went, found out when the transactions, because they also stole a credit card. And they swiped the credit card to buy iPads and then pawned the iPads. And so we just went and found at Walmart where they had swiped the credit cards, and they just pulled up to the second, the cash register video of the person swiping the credit card at the moment. Now, you can get by with stealing Dan's guitar, except the fact that you pawned it in your own name with your thumbprints and all that. But anyways, you can get by with that. But we have you on video, right? The most condemning evidence. There was, we went to the police and we're like, listen, you don't have to do anything. It's all here. And they're like, this one's pretty easy. Yeah, it is. Come on. When I was a kid, I could get myself out of just about anything. And I usually did. But there were some times where the evidence was so condemning, so overwhelming, and I would still try, but the evidence was so condemning and so overwhelming that mom would look at me and she'd say, you're going to need to wait till your father comes home. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know what kind of world you grew up in, but my world had belts and switches. Boots. I'm not advocating spanking your child. It had all the above. Sometimes they just grabbed whatever was random, you know, like just grab things that weren't intended to be used for spankings. I'm like, Dad, that's a scarf. It doesn't even hurt. You just have to find something else. Just grab something and go for it. And I remember my dad, we, we, I got spanked. A lot. <laughs> that was the laughter of surprise, I know. I know a real good surprised laugh when I hear it. And uh, when he'd come to my room, I, this is also going to be hard to believe, I was the most dramatic one when it came to spanking. And so I would get extremely dramatic before the spanking started. And by extremely dramatic, I mean screaming, yelling, tears, gnashing of teeth, the whole bit. You would have thought I was being abused beyond belief. One time, my grandmother, his mother-in-law, 
and they got along great. <laughs> she came to the door because she was convinced he was literally killing me. And she's like, what are you doing in there? Or whatever, something like that. And, um, and my dad's like, I haven't even touched him yet. <laughs> but the evidence was so overwhelming. And I was just like, listen, let me explain to you what happened here. And it's like, no, no, no. The Lord himself came down and wrote on the wall, Dan did it, all right? <laughs> In Hebrew. We know it's not your brothers. They don't know Hebrew. You did it, right? If you've ever had condemning evidence that you cannot get out from underneath... And the Bible says that there is no more condemnation and the condemning evidence against you and I has been canceled. Come on. I love this because it just assumes that you've got condemning evidence. Right? It just, it just assumes it. And so much, of, so much of sometimes the modern church is us walking around trying to act like we don't have condemning evidence against us. Uh-oh. Come on. When at the end of it, um, hello, we do. If anybody followed you around all day long, they'd find something condemning against you. And the reality is, is that that evidence that condemns you has been canceled because of Jesus. Can we be real? Verse 2, let's look at this. <clears throat> The law of the Spirit is the liberating force of life in Christ. This leaves you with no further obligation to the law of sin and death. Spirit has superseded the sin-enslaved senses as the principal law of our lives. This is the contrast between the two, and you're going to see it more. Verse 3. The law failed to be anything more than an instruction manual. It had no power. Come on. Last night, I had the same Ikea little, um, like, cube tower shelf thing. Um, I like old school wet shaving. The last time I said this in church was a couple years ago and somebody found some old stuff from their grandfather and sent it to me. So I'm going to try it again because <laughs> it worked great last time. I love old wet shaving, straight edge razors, old safety razors. I have like maybe 30 vintage Gillette razors from going back to 1908 which is pretty cool, in the original case. I love to collect them. I get them in antique shops. Usually they're not that expensive. Um, Christmas is coming up. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I know. It's funny coming from somebody who doesn't look shaven today. But I collect these artisan soaps and aftershaves, and so I finally built a tower because their stuff is everywhere and organized it all. Last night I built this tower, and it's from Ikea. And if you all have ever read Ikea instructions... First of all, I don't like the man. The shape of the man in the Ikea instructions looks like Gumby. You know, that's beside, he looks dumb to start with. And so this Ikea instruction manual, which is not in English, it just has pictures and numbers that they gave. It doesn't say, like, do this, do this. It just has pictures and numbers and arrows, lots of arrows. But that instruction manual, how many of you know as hard or as long as I take that instruction manual and wave it over those pieces, that those pieces are not going to come in together because that instruction manual has no power to do anything. It needs something beyond the letter of the instruction manual. And the letter of the law had no power to complete you. Do you hear me? 
It had no power to deliver us from the strong influences of sin, holding us hostage in our own bodies. God disguised himself in his son in this very domain where sin ruled us in the flesh. The body, the body he lived and conquered in was no different to ours. Thus, sin's authority in the human body was condemned. What does this mean? Well, if you read it in the NASB, it says, um, it says that uh, so, so his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. This is what this means together. I'm going to throw this out there to you. It means simply this. He took on our human form in order to defeat sin as us. I'm going to say this a different way for you. Are you ready for this? He did not come to to defeat sin for you. He came and defeated sin as you. Someone's going to get set free right now. He came to defeat sin as you, not for you. In other words, there's not this God being in heaven who came down and said, oh, these idiots messed up in the garden. Let me throw them a bone and get them out of their mess. Here you go, buddy. Okay. Okay, God's going to show up. This deity, this being, this spirit, this force of nature that comes down and defeats sin. No, he came to earth in bodily form so he could defeat sin as a human being. So he could defeat sin as you not just for you. Which means, listen to this for a moment, which means he set up the paradigm. He set up, for, for, if you will, universally this idea that humanity and in human form, we can live a life where sin is defeated. He had to become human to defeat sin as you. Come on, do you hear me? That's good news. And the good news is he didn't just defeat sin. He defeated your sin. He took your sin and your shame upon himself. He took it with him and he defeated it in human form. He defied death. He defied the grave. He defied shame. He defied all of it so that he could defeat sin as you. That's good news. Verse 4. The righteousness promoted by the law is now realized in us. Our practical day-to-day life bears witness to spirit inspiration and not flesh domination. Come on. This is what we're actually understanding, what it looks like to walk in the spirit and not by the flesh. It's actually learning to walk and live your life, fully embracing And We're going to see this. We're going to skip to verse 8 here in a moment. So we're going to skip a couple verses so we can get ahead in the chapter we actually are learning in Romans 8 what it looks like that he's been talking about for seven chapters, what it actually looks like to walk and live your life in the spirit versus in the flesh. Verse 8. Let's read this together. This is NASB. Y'all with me? Just give me about, I'm not going to go longer than 1230. I'll be done before that if you hang with me. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's 10 minutes. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now I want you to see this for a moment. The qualifier to have the Spirit of God inside of you is to have the Spirit of God inside of you. Do you see this? 
It's not crossing all your T's and dotting your I's. If the Spirit of God is inside of you because you've received and you are in Christ, then He is in you. Which means you cannot walk in the flesh and in the Spirit at the same time. Amen? All right, verse 10. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. You know what? We're not even going to go here. Let's stay in verse 8 and 9 because I don't have the time to go into 10, 11, and 12. You're going to have to come back on Wednesday, and I'll try to finish. I probably won't, but I'll try to finish Romans 8. I definitely will finish it by next Sunday. Let's skip ahead. So verse 8 and 9. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, if you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Let's go to the mirror translation real quick. Verse 8, right here. It is impossible for those immersed in flesh to at the same time accommodate themselves to the opinions, desires, and interests of God. It's impossible for those immersed in the flesh to do the same at the same time accommodate themselves to the opinion, desire, and the interest of God. This law of the flesh is the law of works, and we're going to see that in a moment. And as long as you're trying to live your life according to the law of works, what you can do and accomplish on your own, in your flesh, your own ability, you will never fully, fully allow or accommodate inside of you the opinion, desire, and interest of God. And verse 9 seals this up for us because they're really together. Let's read verse 9 together. But you are not ruled. I want you to hear this because all the warnings are here. Everything tells us what happens if we live according to the flesh, and then it tells us what happens when we live according to the Spirit. But it makes it very clear here in verse 9. It says, But you are not ruled by flesh consciousness or the law of works, but by a spirit consciousness. God's Spirit is at home in you. Anyone who does not see themselves fully closed and identified in the Spirit of Christ cannot be themselves. Now, this revelation I'm getting ready to unpack for you will totally, absolutely change your world if you'll listen to me. It's going to rock your world when I'm getting ready to tell you. You're going to feast off of this for months. I'm going to read this slowly. Anyone, are you anyone? Who does not see themselves fully clothed and identified in the Spirit of Christ. What is the Spirit of Christ? It is the Spirit consciousness, the consciousness, the new covenant, the law of faith, the law of grace. Anyone who does not see themselves and identified fully clothed in the Spirit of Christ cannot be themselves. That word in the Greek, themselves, is the same Greek word that was used with the prodigal son. When, he said, when it says that he came to himself. I'm getting ready to do something to you now. You ready for this? Pastor Dan got it wrong a couple weeks ago. I only got half the revelation. This is going to happen more, by the way. I got half the revelation and I missed the second half. The revelation that I gave you a couple weeks ago, and actually there's a clip of it on Facebook and on Instagram. If you don't follow Harvest Sarasota on Instagram and you're on Instagram, you're probably not going to heaven, so do it now, okay? <laughs> Harvest Sarasota, it's real simple, Instagram. Michael's taking it over and he's doing an awesome job. Um, if you, if you, I want you to see this. The same, what I, what I said uh, about two weeks ago or a week and a half ago was this on a Wednesday night. I said this, I said it was shame Shame didn't motivate the prodigal son to leave the pigsty. 
Shame is what kept him there. And I said, when he actually believed that his father might receive him is when he decided to go back. And so I, I was close. Like, if we were playing horseshoes, I got a point, okay? Because it's true about the shame part. But let me tell you what it actually means. That Greek word themselves, it actually specifically means that the person comes to the understanding of their original identity. Because we preach this and we say, well, he came back to the father's house and he was like, just let me be a servant. But that's not actually what it says for this part of it. What happened was when the prodigal son was there, it's the same thing we're talking about here. It's this idea that I am fully clothed and fully identified in the spirit of Christ. And in that moment, I can come to myself. I can go back to my original design. This is what happened. In the pigsty, in the pig pen, I want to show this to you. He came to a point where he remembered who he was. I was talking to a young lady earlier over here, and, you know, something's going on in her life. Made a mistake, and I just simply said to her, it's not who you are. This is, folks, this is how we need to deal. Listen, if you work for Harvest House, or if you're a part of Harvest House, or if you're a client of Harvest House, I, I'm not the one that makes the rules over there, but if, if, uh, if I can offer a suggestion to you, it's this. You find out who you are, drugs will not be an issue anymore. Because you're not a drug addict. You're not a drug addict. And when you come to yourself, you may find yourself in the pigsty. You might find yourself in the pig pen. You might find yourself in the mud. And you might deserve to be there. And the condemning evidence around you might be there. And everybody can say, well, you've got yourself in the situation. And now you have to dig yourself out. But I'm telling you, God is all he is waiting for you. To, all he is waiting for you to happen is to stop living there, rehearsing why you got there and all the mistakes you've made and everything you've done. And to stop for a moment and come to yourself and when you come to yourself, it's because you believe and embrace that you're fully clothed and you identify with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, what it looks like to be in Christ. And when you do that, when you come to that place where you say, wait, this is not what I was designed to be. This is not what I was designed to do. I'm not supposed to be here. You go running back to the Father's house, and it just so happens that he's so good that he doesn't want to talk about why you got yourself in the pig pen. He wants you to come back so he can throw you a party. And so what we're talking about here is that if you will come to a place where you understand who you are and why you were created to be what you are, and you come to that original place, God will welcome you back home. Come on. And every bit of condemning evidence has been canceled. Come on. Do you hear me? I'm going to get a little bit on edge here for a moment, if that's okay. What I'm tired of is in the church... We allow the evidence that we have gathered about people to become one of the things we talk about the most. We gossip more in church than I think people do in the world. Come on. And it's all good until you're the subject of the gossip, and then it is not fun. I'm talking from experience, all right? And when folks decide just they're going to run their mouth and talk and they just don't really know anything about anything and they just want to run their mouth, what we actually are saying is this. When you gossip, when you share stuff with one another, whether you think it's true or not, what you're telling me is you actually are still living your life according to the law of works. And this is why. Because you feel the need to, when a brother or a sister is going through something to step on them like a rung on a ladder. 
Are you with me? Because if you are trying to get higher by putting them down or keeping them down, then you actually think this is about what you've done right. And the minute somebody who's on their little high horse does something that's not right, we're like, did you hear what happened to sister so-and-so? I mean, I have watched some folks there in the middle of a conversation just talking to somebody about just like, you know, just now do you use whole milk when you make that pie or do you use skim milk or what do I mean, just how do you get it just so creamy? And they could hear about 50 feet behind them. Somebody say, we think we need to pray for so and so. And they're like, so in order to get I'll pray. (laughs) Who are we praying about and what do they do? What now? Listen, this is the picture I want you to see. When you understand that we're actually all in the same footing and in the same place, and that you and I are at the top of the ladder because of Christ, we won't tear each other down anymore. We'll just look at one another and say, let me tell you who you are. Let me tell you what you really are. You're not that. Let me tell you how it it looks like when you come to yourself. Instead of stepping on somebody to get higher, we'll realize God has made us all equal in Christ, and we'll come to one another and say, let me tell you who you are. Let's not talk about what you've done wrong. Let me tell you who you've been created to be and what you're called to be and what you're called to declare. That's the way it'll look like in the church. And you know what will happen? Instead of people experiencing what they've experienced in church, which is getting beat up, which is getting talked about, which is everything else, maybe we'll be the type of place that people in the world will actually want to come to. When you preach the message of grace, people are like, you're just trying to soften the gospel so more people will come to your church. Well, wouldn't that be terrible? More people would come to church and realize how much God loves them and not be beat up. See, in our church, we just beat the crap out of people, and nobody wants to come, and we're very spiritual that way. That sounds wonderful. Sign me up. Can I buy a whole pew? Right? Come on. That is the gospel. The gospel is very simple. It's this. He did it because he loves you, not because you earned it. And he did it because he loves you. Not because you earned it. He did it because he loves you, not because you earned it. He did it because he loves you, not because you earned it. And you cannot fully come to yourself until you embrace a spirit that we find in Christ, which is that you've been released from all of the condemning evidence against you. It has been canceled. Some of you right now are wrestling with this. You are wrestling with this because all you can rehearse is the condemning evidence about yourself. All you can rehearse is who's got what, who's saying what, what's going on. And at the end of the day, you need to hold your head high and say, regardless of how humanity deals with it, the condemning evidence against me has been canceled. This is actually not about me being punished for what I've done, about you being punished for what you've done. This is about will you come back to the place where you know who you are? Will you come back to yourself like the prodigal son? Get yourself out of the mud, out of the pig pen, and come running back home. It will not happen until you reach the point where you say to yourself, this is not who I am. I'm not a pig. I'm not a servant. I'm not a slave. And when you realize that and you hear somebody talking smack, about a brother or sister, you won't entertain it. Because you'll realize, I benefit nothing 
from stepping on their back. As a matter of fact, what it communicates to those around you is you're still living according, according to a performance law-based gospel, which is not the gospel at all. Because when I get around people that really, re- I mean, there's some people that I have met in, li- in, in life and f- I have friends around the, the nation that get this revelation. And when something goes wrong, their response is never dealing with the problem. We want to deal with the problem. We're, we think we're like little troubleshooters in the spirit. They don't want to deal with the problem. They want to deal with identity. And so they never go to the problem. They go to, what did you believe that's a lie? What did you embrace that made you misunderstand who you are? And if they can get that taken care of, everything else changes. Everything's about pointing you back to yourself. And by yourself, that Greek word actually means your original design. And if we can get you back believing what you're originally designed to be, all the rest of it goes bye-bye. So my counseling sessions with people, I have a couple people I talked to in the other service, um, and in this service, and I said, come see me. Come schedule an appointment. Come talk to me. And that, it, you can skip the appointment if you want. You can skip the appointment if you need to because you're going to get exactly what I'm going to say to you right here, which is this. Whatever's going on in your life that has been destructive, and if it's your fault or it's somebody else's fault, it's not who you are. And what I'm going to do is sit down with you and not talk about, now, what were you thinking when you said that to her? And when you did that, why did you do that? I'm going to say, who do you think you are in Christ? And how do you think he feels about you? And how do you think he sees you? And what do you think he's designed you to be and do? You answer those questions and everything else goes There won't be a temptation or a sin or a mistake in this world that will be able to latch into you. It's like you're like bulletproof when you know who you are. It's not even a question. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why? Because all, let's say it together, all of the condemning evidence against me has been canceled. I could have swore it when I said against me, someone said against you to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need you to say it for yourself too. <laughs> Someone's like, Pastor Dan, all of the condemning evidence against you <laughs> has been canceled. And it took him like a while. Let's say it again. All, all. of the condemning evidence condemning against me against has, me. Been has been canceled because of him. Because of him. Come on. Amen. I know you want to stand, but don't stand because we're on Facebook Live and they don't want to see the back of your heads. Although the people right here in, in line sight, you guys have wonderful, I've seen the back of your heads, it's awesome, okay? It's not about that. So let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for this message. Thank you for Romans 8. Lord, I'm just so excited to unpack this because there's so much more in this chapter, really in this whole book, but in this chapter that is just totally blowing my mind and our minds for how good you are and how wonderful you are. That's restoring us back, restoring us back little by little by little to who we are and what we're originally designed to be and do. So God, I just ask right now that you sit this, you seat this inside of us. You, you just lock it into our hearts that we wouldn't let go of it. Bless your people here as they leave. 
Let us have an amazing holiday season. Lord, um, even just greater memories and opportunities. And Lord, let us remind ourselves we have a captive audience and it might be that one conversation, that one word, that one sentence, that one story that will unlock and unfurl and, and reintroduce you to somebody in a brand new way. So as we leave here today, God, I thank you that you're giving us the wisdom, the boldness to remember and remind ourselves every morning that we walk according to the Spirit. And when we walk according to the Spirit, we leave behind us the condemning evidence and the condemnation, knowing that it has been canceled and taken care of because of your Son. In Jesus' name, and everyone says, Amen. Bless you guys. We'll see you soon, Wednesday night and next Sunday. God bless.